ho, ho, hello, and welcome to a Christmas special of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to look at arguably the weirdest and the most wonderful subject in all of Welsh folklore. We are going to look at the secret history of the Mary Lloyd. The Mary Lloyd who I think can rightly lay claim to be the superstar of Welsh folklore, certainly on a global scale. Worldwide, people around the world are fascinated with Mary Lloyd, maybe even more so than people in Wales are. And much like Krampus, the evil Santa Claus, the half-goat, half-demon, which visits children in Central Europe at Christmas time, or Gryla, the child-eating troll from Iceland, the Mary Lloyd just taps into this appetite that people have for those more macabre Christmas traditions. And it has become known throughout the world as the Welsh ghost horse, the Welsh bone horse, or just that weird what-the-hell Welsh horse. And while the Mary Lloyd doesn't go around eating children like those others might do, it certainly can be a little bit mischievous, shall we say, when it emerges at the end of the year to wake up the neighbours in the middle of the night and challenge them to a battle of rhymes with the victor taking beer and cake. Now, if you are wondering what the heck I am talking about, it will all become clearer very soon, or slightly less confusing, I should say. It won't be entirely clear. Nothing in Welsh folklore is ever entirely clear, but it should make a little bit more sense soon. Now, when I started this podcast back at the the start of 2020, I was putting a list together of subjects, you know, I I really should talk about. And right at the top of the list, the first one was the Mary Lloyd. But I thought, well, it's a Christmas tradition. So hang on, wait until December. Or technically, it's more of a New Year's tradition. But I thought, just not yet. It's not... It's not appropriate in June. It's not appropriate in July. It's not appropriate in August. Wait, wait, wait. And I've waited as long as I can. It is now, as far as I'm concerned, Christmas season. It is December. So we are going to talk about the Mary Lloyd. And what I thought I'd do, because what I like to do with this podcast is not to just go on about the obvious stuff that everyone knows. So I'm going to break this up into two parts, really. I thought the first part we would cover the basics. What what the heck is the Mary Lloyd? What does that name mean? All, all those kind of things. And then afterwards, we are going to look at the research of one of my favourite folklorists who was writing at the, uh, well, at the end of the 1800s and the early 1900s to see what she thought about the Mary Lloyd. And I'll be honest, her take on it, it's quite unique and it's very, very dark in places where this this tradition is, despite being a horse's skull, considered to be quite a nice, happy tradition. But the angle that she puts on it, or one of the angles, she puts several, but one of the angles does make this tradition much, much 
darker. It's much grittier and it is directly connected with death in that version. But before we get to the dark death stuff, let us start with the basic facts. The Mary Lloyd, which is spelt M-A-R-I, Mary Lloyd, L-W-Y-D. Now, normally when I tell you these things in Welsh, I then just translate them for you into English. That is not quite as easy with Mary Lloyd, because no one is entirely sure what these words mean and what they might have once meant. But certainly the most popular suggestions are Lloyd, which is also Lloyd means grey. So we can take the word grey, although it could mean holy, but we'll come back to that later. Like I said, it will get confusing. Let's assume it means grey, but it could mean holy. And then the Mary bit could simply be the name Mary, which is the Welsh spelling for Mary. It could be Grey Mary. It could also be Grey Mare, which ties in with the horse connection. But the Mary connection does tie in with some theories which connect this to Christianity. We will look at that in much more depth later because Christianity, you know, it would make sense at Christmas time. And that is why the word holy would also make sense if it meant Holy Mary. But again, it all gets slightly confusing and we will come to that later. Now, what does it look like? Well, again, this is something I say quite often. If you are able to, I would recommend having an internet search for a look at this 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 bizarre creature. But what I have done is I've uploaded a photo with this podcast. So depending on how you are listening to this, If you are using one of the popular sites, in theory, it should be displaying a picture of the Mary Lloyd to you right now. If not, do a quick internet search and you will see exactly what I mean quite quickly. But this is a, it it is so peculiar that it's not something you will forget. Once you've seen the Mary Lloyd, you're not going to forget it. Its most distinctive feature is a big horse's skull and traditionally, that is what it would be, a big horse's skull. Now, obviously, nowadays, people don't really use horse's skulls. Well, not, not all of the time. And back then, you could use alternative materials. You could make them out of straw and things. But traditionally, you would get a horse's skull. You would put it at the end of a pole so it could be carried like a hobby horse, like a, like a child's game. And the person holding it would be covered in a white sheet. So you can't see the person beneath. All you can see is this white sheet with a horse's skull sticking out of the top. And that skull, which which used to have the the jaw left on as well, so you could even do quite a a sick puppet show with it, I guess, with a movable jaw at the bottom. But that skull is decorated. It's decorated with very colourful things. This isn't supposed to look like some sombre affair. It's got ribbons and bells and even bits of coloured glass that can be used as eyes. So this thing, it it is incredibly striking. As I said, you will not forget the Mary Lloyd. Now, once it's assembled, it needs to hit the streets. But the Mary can't be trusted to just wander about on its own. So it needs a leader and it needs a pack of men to guide it. Now, the men are dressed traditionally in in what they called their Sunday best, almost like they were going to church 
or going to a wedding. Certainly the leader would have a top hat, like a like a bridegroom or something. He would be the man in charge. He was dressed for authority. The other men would have similar clothing, or sometimes they'd have a bit more fun with it. They were said to put face paint and things on, maybe. Some of them went down the Punch and Judy route, or Punch and Suan, as, as Judy was known in Wales. And the whole affair had a bit more of a pantomime feel. Again, rather appropriate for Christmas time, I think. And with the whole gang dressed, ready to go, they need some implements to keep that naughty Mary Lloyd in check so the leader would have some kind of whip or stick or something with which to, well, to, to, to beat it with, really, to keep it in control. And they might play music and things along the way. So you might see some of them carrying a flute or a violin or whatever instruments they had at the time. And this is where the fun begins. If all of that wasn't enough, it hasn't even started yet. Because the Marylloyd, it's part of a wassailing custom. Traditionally, it takes place around New Year's Eve, but this also goes back to the whole 12 days of Christmas New Year's Eve. So that doesn't necessarily mean December the 31st New Year's Eve. It just means over Christmas time. But New Year's Eve is the traditional day. And over time, increasingly, it is becoming more of just a, a Christmas thing, a winter thing, even a Halloween thing in some cases. I think because the Mary Lloyd has proven to be so popular recently, I think every day is going to become a Mary Lloyd day. But normally it would be New Year's Eve or round about the 12 days of Christmas, the Mary Lloyd would emerge. And the Mary Lloyd had one goal in mind. It wanted a good time. More specifically, it wanted a good time with your beer, your cake, and in your house. To do that, it was going to visit every house in the parish, knock on the door, demand beer, demand cake, demand to be let in for a bit of fun and games, and then move on and do it to the next unsuspecting victim. Although how unsuspecting they might be after hearing the commotion coming from the neighbours is, is open to debate. But certainly that was the plan. They hit the streets and they went door to door in search of beer and cake and merrymaking from their neighbours. But their neighbours didn't just hand over free beer and free cake without a fight. If the Mary Lloyd wanted those goodies, it would have to earn them with what is called pungo in Welsh and what in English has been described as an old school form of a rap battle because it involves the two sides trying to outwit the other with a verse and when one side can't reply, the others are the victors. Now, I will look at this in much more depth later on when we look at the folklore and give some examples of the kind of verses but the basic gist of it is they say let us in give us cake and beer and the people inside say no chance go away back and forth back and forth until somebody gives in and if the mary lloyd gains entrance it it is said to do things like chase the girls around and to just cause a bit of mischief but hopefully good-natured mischief that was not always the case again we will come to this later but to begin with, it was supposed to be good-natured mischief. So that is the basic introduction to the Mary Lloyd. Men, and it is the men, hit the streets late around New Year's Eve, 
banging on their neighbours' doors, demanding to come in. And as I mentioned earlier, one of my favourite folklorists, Mary Trevelyan, did record some accounts of this in the early 1900s. And while some of them are contemporary, she goes way back to pre-Christian times in search of the origins of the Marylode. And what I'd like to do now is to turn to Trevelyan and give you some examples. And part of the reason I really, I love Trevelyan's work is that her work is almost in bullet point form. It is so rapid fire. She doesn't really dwell on ideas or even look too deeply into them or develop them or anything like that. She hasn't got time to mess around. Look, these are the facts. Bang, 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 bang. There you go. Which is absolutely perfect when you are trying to make things nice and concise for something like a podcast. And that is what I would like to look at now. Because we've covered the basics and that's great, but we want to go deeper. We want to really see what Trevelyan uncovered with her research. And she recorded quite a fascinating collection of bits of information about the Marylode back in the early 1900s. And what I'd like to do next is to look at some of those in detail, because I think even if you know the Mary Lloyd quite well, there could well be some new bits of information amongst all of this. She does squeeze a lot into a small space with her works. Now, Trevelyan does refer to the Mary as the Mary Lloyd throughout. Mary is spelt the normal way, M-A-R-I, but Lloyd is spelt with a double L at the start. So it's W-Y-D. There's an extra L in Mary Lloyd. And if you find me switching back and forth between Mary Lloyd and Mary Floyd as I talk through this, that's simply one of my bad habits where I'm just used to saying Lloyd all the time. But in this, it is Floyd. And she begins by telling us that the Mary Floyd or Holy Mary. So she is going straight in with this religious connection. Holy Mary was an exhibition made up of mummers dressed in all kinds of garments. The most prominent figure was a man covered in a white sheet. On his head and shoulders, he bore a horse's head, fantastically adorned with coloured ribbons, papers and brilliant streamers. So this image is, is very much the standard image we have today. White sheet, horse's skull, colourful decorations on the skull. Youths bearing burning brands and small boys dressed up as bears, foxes, squirrels and rabbits helped to swell the throng. So this is not as we know it today. Rarely do you see burning brands following the Mary around and I certainly have not seen small boys dressed up as bears, foxes, squirrels and rabbits helping it along. But I think they should because that's a wonderful idea. She continues to say that in some parts of Wales, in the far past, it was customary for a woman to impersonate the Virgin, capital V Virgin, Virgin Mary, while Joseph and the infant Christ were prominent. Again, this really is linking it to Christianity. It, it, it is a Christmas tradition, of course, but by having the Virgin there, by having Joseph and Christ there, this is very much rooted in Christianity. 
But she goes on to explain that in later times, these three characters were omitted. Christianity was taken out of the tradition. And a kind of Punch and Judy exhibition was substituted. Now, she, she doesn't mention this, but in the Welsh language, Judy is known as Siwan. So I am assuming in Wales this would have been a Punch and Siwan-like exhibition. And the Mary Lloyd was always accompanied by a large party of men, again as we know nowadays, several of whom were specially selected on account of their quick wit and ready rhymes. So not just any old drunkards or men who like eating cake. These men had to have the abilities, the quick wit and the rhyming skills to get those doors open. A bit like a modern day rapper, I guess, in a rap battle. You have to think on your feet and get those doors open and get your hands on the cake. So the gang are all assembled. You've got the Mary all dressed up, good to go. You've got the men, the quick-witted men, ready to prise the doors open. And then the procession is again as we know it nowadays. And the locals, when they knew that Mary Lloyd was on the prowl, bolted their doors, drew the curtains, and pretended they'd gone away on holiday for the week. To quote Trevelyan, she says, All doors in the parish were safely shut and barred when it was known that the Mary Lloyd commenced her itinerary. Now, that old ploy of pretending you'd gone on holiday would not work. When the party reached the doors of a house, an earnest appeal was made for permission to sing. When this was granted, the company began recounting in song the hard fate of mankind and the poor in the dark and cold days of winter. They begged and pleaded for some kind of, if, if we link it to Christianity again, some kind of Christian charity. We're out here in the cold, freezing, hungry, thirsty. You're in there having a great time. If you're a good Christian, you open that door and you give us beer and cake and, to quote, other good things. And to be honest, I think that still works nowadays. It, it certainly works on me. Beer, cake and other good things would keep me very happy for Christmas. And I do have an example of the kind of song they would sing, they would plead to be let in with. And while this isn't in Trevelyan's book, I'm assuming it would have been a similar thing she's referring to. And I will read it to you in Welsh first, because of course this was all done in the Welsh language originally. And this little opening verse went like this. Well, Damanin Duad, Gvaithion Dinuad, E Ovin Am Genad, E Ovin Am Genad, E Ovin Am Genad, E Gani. And to repeat that in English, it doesn't quite have the same effect in English, but to repeat that quickly, well, here we come, innocent friends, to ask leave, to ask leave, to ask leave, to sing. Now, if you are inside the house, let's assume you are in the house. You do not want these people, these drunks coming in and taking your cake and beer. So you reply with a, a poor lament of your own. And you say, alas, times have been bad and we have little to spare. Of course, you do that in a, a more poetic way than I've just done it. it. It is supposed to rhyme. But you reply with a sob story of your own. And this is where the, the, the rap battle, as people like to call it, comes, comes into play. 
It's a battle in verse, or to give you a direct quote, it is a kind of conflict in verse, sung or recited or both. Riddles and questions were asked in verse, inside and outside the house, back and forth, back and forth, trying to catch out the other side. Sarcasm, wit and merry banter followed, and if the Mary Lloyd party defeated the householder by reason of superior wit, the latter had to open the door and admit the conquerors. So this went back and forth, back and forth, until somebody stumbled and had to accept defeat. And when they did, well, if it was the Mary, which by all accounts rarely happened, but if it was the Mary, they would just move on to the next house, the next victims. But if the householders lost out, then a great bowl of hot spiced beer was produced and an ample supply of cakes and other good things. I do love that. I do love the way Trevelyan keeps telling us about other good things. What, what could they be? Beer, cake, and other good things. Answers on a postcard to that one. But, but then after their little, little feast, little tipple, they would move on. And as an extra bonus, the leader would often find little contributions of money in his collecting bag. So not only could they drink their fill and eat their fill and get all these other good things, they even made a little profit. And that, in, in a nutshell, is pretty much what happened, assuming things went to plan. If, however, the Mary Lloyd was badly treated, then Trevelyan tells us the revenge of the party was boisterous. In some places, the men forced an entrance, raked the fire out of the kitchen grate, looted the larder, and committed other depredations. I dread to think what they were, but this is veering well away from Christianity now. When it's getting boisterous, when you're forcefully pushing your way into somewhere to effectively to steal. If you are looting the larder, you are stealing, causing what we would now call criminal damage. This is a million miles from Christianity and is edging closer, I think, towards some of the things we see on Halloween nowadays. And as we're talking about veering away from Christianity, well, Trevelyan has an other theory as to where this Mary Lloyd came from. And this is a much darker theory. Well, to, to, to some people it will be. It depends on your outlook on life. But she says, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote this bit, she says that some people think that the bony horse's head used in what is called the Mary Floyd celebration was an emblem of death or a symbol of the dead and not a remnant of pre-Reformation days and the Virgin Mary. I have been told that in the 17th and early 18th centuries, this celebration was called in many parts of Wales the Maru Floyd. And I'll spell that for you. Maru is M-A-R-W. So a slight change to Mary. Mary to Maru. And Floyd, as I mentioned earlier, that's Lloyd with the at the start, the double L. And she tells us that as any Welsh language speakers will already know, and they'll already be quick in, the, in their boots about, Maru Floyd means grey death. It is a symbol 
of the dying or the dead year. That lovely looking, brightly coloured horse's skull is, in fact, the Grim Reaper banging on your doorstep. And she continues to tell us that the skeleton head and shoulders and the skull of the horse, accompanied by a procession of sightseers and dancers, point to the Mary Lloyd celebrations as a lingering vestige of ancient horse worship common to the Celts. So the ancient Celtic people could, in theory, be the root. As mentioned, that could be seen as quite a bleak and dark tradition. However, if we do look back at pre-Christian times, this could also be seen as a joyous time, a time of rebirth, and looking ahead to the new life which would spring up in the spring and the summer. That is, well, I guess, I guess that is a, a big talk for another day. But that, that is an alternative suggestion to the meaning behind the Mary Lloyd. And the Maru Lloyd, I think, is a much more gothic twist on a familiar piece of folklore. And while she doesn't really expand on it, Trevelyan does tell us that in the far past, the Mary Lloyd was looked forward to with pleasure. I, I don't know if she means way back in Celtic times or maybe just back when it had these Christian connotations. But in the far past, it was looked forward to with pleasure. But in later times, it was surrounded by a riotous throng and became so degenerate in some places that it was regarded with terror. So as mentioned earlier, I do think we, we, we see this shift between a more innocent tradition into something which is much more trick-or-treaty in, uh, well, it, it, trick-or-treaty is putting it mildly if they're coming in and trashing your house. And she wraps this up by giving some examples of the kind of places to catch the Mary Lloyd in Wales. Now, before I read these, I should make clear this was written well over a hundred years ago now, so it probably does not apply anymore. But what I will do is tell you a few places myself, which, to the best of my knowledge, do currently embrace the tradition of the Mary Lloyd. But Trevelyan tells us that the city of Llandaff, as she calls it, Llandaff annually provides the performers for a Mary Lloyd kind of Christmas waits. And to this, several old Welsh customs are attached. So it sounds like Llandaff went full out with not, not just the Mary Lloyd, but with traditional Welsh customs. Trecanon, Aberdeer, also had its Mary Lloyd as late as, if not later than, 1900. Llantwit Major had its Mary Lloyd, she tells us, which visits several places in the Vale of Glamorgan. But here, the custom is becoming spasmodic, which is a word I've never used on this podcast before. The custom is becoming spasmodic and is not carried out every winter. Maybe it's every other winter, I don't know, but it's much more spasmodic in the Vale of Glamorgan at this time. There are doubtless other places in which the old custom still survives, but the genuine wits, the ready rhymesters, and the clever leaders and mummers of the Mary Lloyd are no longer to be found. Now that concludes Trevelyan's research into the Mary Lloyd, but I am not going to let you go on such a downer, on such a low note, because she is wrong. Well, maybe she was correct at the time, 
But to say they can no longer be found is not true, because I know where you can find them. And before I get into all of that and tell you about the current places, I would like to very quickly point out that if you know of any other Mary Lloyd traditions taking place or any other Welsh customs in Wales, in the world, maybe there are other countries out there who parade horses' skulls at Christmas. If so, it's always great to hear from people. Please track me down, get in touch, and we can talk about this online. I'm quite easy to find. Do a search for Mark Race, and if you put the word ghosts or folklore or whales in, I will pop up at the top of the search, and you can find me on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can find my website and just email me directly, and we can talk about this further. And very quickly, because, because what I will do, I think the Mary Lloyd is going to become a regular on this podcast, certainly a Christmas regular if not even more regular than that. And so if you do send anything in and you would like to listen out for any future Mary Lloyd episodes, as always, please consider hitting the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode ever. And it'll make me happy because I know people are listening and subscribing so they want to hear more. But anyway, back to these modern day Mary Lloyd sightings. Well, sightings that makes them it makes them sound like Bigfoot or something. The Mary Lloyd is not is not hiding in the forest somewhere waiting for someone to take grainy photographs of it. They are quite public with their, their activities. If anything, the Mary Lloyd is quite brazen about it. It's not gonna hide, it's gonna pounce, it's going to well, if you believe Trevelyan, it's gonna come in and radio larder. But hopefully, hopefully, nowadays we've learned to pacify the beast with cake and beer and other good things. And the places you should go to if you would like to pacify the beast. And this is purely just from personal experience. So there might be other wonderful places out there I don't know about, but I would recommend certainly the Gower Heritage Centre in January, slightly later, I think, than New Year's Eve itself. But they have a Wassailin Festival or Wassailin get-together, whatever they call it. Maybe it's festival. And there are some some wonderful food and drink and things available. There are more Mary Lloyds than you can shake a stick at. So many great Mary Lloyd makers turn up there. And there is a lovely little tradition in Gower. And I, I don't know if any of the people who take their Marys with them observe this tradition. I really hope so, because it's breaking the sacred Mary Lloyd oath otherwise. But in Gower, it is said that after the procession, after this Christmas time, New Year's Eve event, you are supposed to bury that skull, that horse's skull, deep in the ground. And you dig it up again 12 months later to repeat the process. So each year, you are using the same horse's skull, which is preserved in the earth in the meantime, and I think, I mean, I, I mentioned about the, the gothic Maru death earlier. I think digging up skulls once a year in the middle of winter adds an extra layer of eeriness to the whole affair, shall we say. Now, another event, head in the other direction, heading eastwards. And to the best of my knowledge, this is on hold at the moment, but certainly when it ran up until about, well, I think 2018, 2019 would have been the last one, is in 
Chapstow, Chapstow go full out for the Mary Lloyd, and they quite uniquely team up with England. I, I've spoken about this being a Welsh tradition, but over in Chepstow, right on the border with Gloucestershire, there's even a- anyone familiar with Chepstow will know there is a bridge you can cross with the sign on it saying you are now in England and Wales. But they team up with their English neighbours and combine the Mary Lloyd with a Morris dancing festival, which I think is an absolutely wonderful thing. What could be better than the Mary Lloyd than the Mary Lloyd plus Morris dancing? But like I said, I think I think that's on hold at the moment. But if so, fingers crossed, hopefully it will be back with us very, very soon. And the other one I have to mention... And I I can't say for certain, but I think this might be the longest running or certainly one of the longest running places to welcome the Mary every New Year's Eve in Wales. And that is a little pub in a little village just outside Maesteg in Bridgend. And that is the Old House Inn in Llangunoid. Now, I find Llangunoid to be a a fascinating place because not only is it this little picturesque hamlet with this wonderful church in the middle and it's somewhere you can just go and enjoy and explore, but two of Wales's biggest folkloric characters have strong connections with the place. There is, of course, the Mary Lloyd, as I am talking about now. And it is also said to be the place, or it is the place, where the maid of Kevin Advice set a, a very famous Welsh folktale, which I will be dedicating an episode of this podcast to in the future, and to have these two things in this village. And if that wasn't enough, and I'm going to be a little bit cryptic here, but there's a upcoming ghost book I'm working on, and I've discovered this long-lost ghost story, which, to the best of my knowledge, nobody else has published out there in a very long time, which is based in Llangunoid, and it's 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 a great spooky little story, and I'm so, I'm just being a tease now, I'm afraid, because yeah, I can't tell you it until the book is out, but Llangunoid is such a small place, has all these great things, but back to the Mary Lloyd, if you can go to Llangunoid on New Year's Eve, I think you've got a very good chance of coming face to face with that horse's skull. And who knows, you might even see me as well. I do like to pop along there and God, that would be even more terrifying. Never mind the horse's skull. Just imagine if you bump into my face late at night, that, that would be terrifying. Although I can also be appeased with beer and cake and other good things. Now, we are nearing the end of the first Christmas special on this podcast. I have a few more on the way. We'll be looking at a magical Christmas tree. Yes, a magical Christmas tree, a nice, a nice festive, heartwarming episode. And at the other end of the scale, a haunted pub where some quite unexplainable poltergeist-like activity is reported on Christmas Eve. Notice how I like to to give with one hand. Here's a nice fluffy bright one and then with the other hand here's some terrifying doom and gloom to send a chill down your spine. And before our grand finale, before the big Mary Lloyd send-off, it just leaves me to say I've been Mark Royce. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's the best. It's the beautiful. It is the only Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you 
from Wales to the world. And we've spoken a lot about Dylan Thomas on this podcast, who is described as Swansea's, if not Wales's, but certainly Swansea's greatest poet. Now, he was not the only great poet to come from Swansea. In fact, his very good friend Vernon Watkins, who, as it turns out, was born in Maesteg, down by Llangunnoid, by the Mary Lloyd and the Maid of Cefnudfa, but considered himself a Swansea or a Gower man. And Vernon Watkins wrote quite an epic piece entitled The Ballad of the Mary Lloyd in 1941, which was annotated by T.S. Eliot. And I am not going to attempt to read the entire thing for you now because it's quite it, it is quite 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 dark. It's quite deep. And I, I would recommend tracking it down if you can. It is available to read online if you do a search for Vernon Watkins' Ballad of the Mary Lloyd. But I thought it would be nice to include some of it and a piece which did relate to to what we've been talking about. So to send you all on your way, I am going to wrap things up with a little bit of Swansea's other great poet, Vernon Watkins. And before I do so, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening. Diolch and Varian am grando. I hope that helped to put you in the Christmas mood nice and early. And if you are struggling on what to get me for Christmas, just remember that you can't go wrong with cakes and beer and other good things. Until next time. Mary Lloyd, Lloyd Mary, a sacred thing through the night they carry. Betrayed are the living, betrayed the dead. All are confused by a horse's head. No stuff.